if you feel like you're, you know, on the far end of that spectrum in terms of the way you use your phone, start small. Define what times are sacred to you. I suspect, in fact, I know this to be the case. Most of us have really good intentions, right? We want to read more. We want to whatever journal more. We want to go on more date nights. We want to work less. Whatever, whatever those are. But the problem is, we just haven't developed a plan. And ours is a part of that plan. I can assure you, if you put your phone down, you're going to read more. I can assure you, if you put your phone down, you're going to think more. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy. But the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make. But you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Welcome to our latest episode of the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast, the place where we dive into the heart of parenting, technology, and the beautiful balance between them. I'm your host, Stephanie Dove Blake, and today we have a truly special guest for you. We're joined by an inspiring guest, Heath Wilson, a remarkable individual whose insights have not just influenced me personally, but have also touched the lives of many through this innovative approach to technology and family connection. Heath is the co-founder of the RO Box. One of my favorites. It's an ingenious device designed to help families unplug and connect more deeply with each other. His journey in creating the RO box and his passion for intentional living, especially in a tech-saturated world, is something that definitely resonates with all of us. In our conversation today, we are going to be exploring Heath's inspiring story, the philosophy behind the RO box and the RO podcast, and his co-host, Joey, and how we can all foster a healthier relationship with technology while nurturing stronger family bonds, which is the most important thing. So grab your headphones and get ready for an enlightening conversation with Heath Wilson. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I am here today with a very special guest and his name is Heath Wilson. And guys, let me just tell you, this is a very special guest for me personally, because, you know, I I do listen to a lot of podcasts, but there's one podcast specifically that I love listening to. Like, I'm never disappointed when I listen to this podcast. It's called the RO Podcast. And RO is actually a product that I also use inside of my home. And you've probably seen it. If you've checked out our show notes, you've probably seen that we have a little advertisement because I'm over here, RO, do you know about the RO box? And telling everybody that I know about the RO box because it's such a cool concept. And it's something that it's so funny. I dreamed this up like eight years ago and these guys came and made it way better than I could have ever dreamed it. And so uh, the RO box is this incredible uh, box that enables you to have a place to put all of your technology away so that you can connect as a family and it comes with an app. So I'll let Heath tell us all about this, but I've been listening to their podcast for a long time. Heath and, and Joey do this incredible podcast where they interview people and they talk a lot about the thing, like similar things that we talk about here on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. And so guys, I'm just so honored and a little starstruck here. We've got Heath Wilson. Heath, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so thankful that you're here. Oh, what a, what a pleasure. This is great. And you know, I will say for the audience, I am number two by far. So Joey's our... He's our podcast magician. I am sorry he's not with us today, but he's taking some time off. But yeah, we've we have loved the podcast. Honestly, we started it just to have conversations. We 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 noticed that a lot of our customers were very intentional people. So we thought, why not talk to some of these intentional people that are living out their lives in that way? And it's it's really kind of exploded. It's been great. And our, you know, the the type of guests we're getting on have been 
tremendous as well. We're actually expanding it. So it, today it exists as conversations with people who strive to live intentionally. We've added a second layer, which is called the Voices of RO. So we get to talk to people like you, Stephanie, and figure out how you're using RO in your house and how it's impacting your family. And then my wife and Joey are co-hosting a podcast within RO called I Wish My Husband Knew. And then oh. there's a long blank. Oh. So she actually surprises him every podcast with, I wish my husband knew this. And he has to unprepped respond to sometimes, you know, pretty tough topic uh, to to respond to. So yeah, we're, we're really excited with the podcast and it's been great for the business to, you know, kind of communicate what we're doing and the, and the impact we're trying to make. Yes. And so let's talk about that. What is the RO box and why is it important for us to know about? Yeah, let me start with the story. So um, I've got four kids. Stephanie, I think you said you have four kids as well. Yep. I'm mm-hmm. guessing mine are older. So I've got two that are seniors in high school, a sophomore in high school, and a seventh grader. Guess what? I have you beat. Ooh. My oldest is 21, and then I have 18, 15, and 10-year-olds. So technically, most of them are older, but I have a 21-year-old. Okay, so I, so I just look a lot older than you. Okay, so if you're watching on YouTube or something else, Stephanie looks very young, and I don't. It is is Movember. So uh, my beard is is reaching mountain man status at at this point. So um, maybe I'll shave it off to to look a bit younger. Yeah. So um, I was an entrepreneur before Aro. I had a company and through that experience, you know, I was introduced to technology even way back with in the BlackBerry days. And I quickly became enamored with staying busy. For me, it was never... It was never social media. It was never anything like that. It was always just, hey, I'm really important and I need to answer this email or be on a call and do those types of things. And I kind of woke up one day and, and looked at my kids and thought, oh my gosh, if if they do what dad does, this will be a disaster. So that led to this journey to understand, all right, what can I do to solve this, right? So I looked at different apps, looked at, you know, we even tried a shoebox. I know we talked about that uh, earlier, looking at a shoebox to see if we could throw our phones in. But Really, the the catalytic moment for me was, I think my son was in, oldest son was in fifth grade, and he had this little report he had to do in his class, just talking about Christmas. And he said, what do you want to get your dad for Christmas? And he said, I want to give my dad the gift of family time. And that was like a massive gut punch to me, right? And some of that was travel, but most of it was me just not being present, right? And most of us, I think, would would agree with this, that our phone is our primary distraction that keeps us being locked in to those around us. So it's many, many stories like that that led to uh, me and Joey deciding, hey, let's go try to do something about this. And what we are doing is really expanding on this idea of a place for your phone, right? We have a place for everything else in our life, for most everything else in our life, right? But because we haven't specified a place for our phone, we put it on the table or we carry it around with us all the time. In fact, 91% of Americans carry their phone with them 24 24 hours a day and seven days a week, which is just terrifying on so many levels. But we just said, we've got to build this beautiful place, which turned out to be, for lack of a better word, a box um, that lives in a family room or a kitchen or somewhere in between that serves as a visual cue that says, hey, it's a quiet imitation that says, hey, the phone, you know, why don't we, why don't we sit here for a little while while you go do the things that are more important. And then along with that box is an app that serves to motivate and nudge and encourage you along the way and really is meant to gamify that process so that it, you know, it keeps you engaged and keeps you moving forward. Well, and I have to say, you guys have done an incredible job with that because there's a lot of apps and things like that, that, you know, they'll like cut you off. You, you've reached your screen time and, and, and I don't know, it can feel very derogatory, which, you know, there's a place and time for that. But 
With the RO box, it's very different. So my favorite thing about the RO box that kind of literally made me go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this does this. And that's when I actually got my get my phone out of the box, it rewards me and it tells me I just reclaimed X amount of time back into my life. Where did that come from? Like, how did you guys come up with that idea? Well, I love to track everything. So I'm pretty competitive. So when we started concepting this, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to know how much time we're spending off our phone as opposed to getting screen time reports, you know, the Sunday scaries every every Sunday from Apple telling us how much time we spent on our phone. So that was the basis of it. Um, I also like to quantify things. So to the extent that I'm good at tagging and journaling, I can look back over the quarter or six months and say, look at all this time I spent with my wife or my kids or journaling or reading or sleeping, you know, those types of things uh, without my phone. But the real catalyst for that feature was actually in some of our alpha testing. We had given an early version of RO to about 30 families. And we asked them, we said, how do you feel after you put your phone down? And they all said the exact same thing. They said, I am so proud of myself. So really alerted us that we all need a pat on the back. We need a high five. We need someone cheering us on to say, hey, you did a good thing, right? Like it's, let's be honest, anyone listening, it's hard to put down your phone. It's very hard to put down your phone because in those moments of silence or awkwardness or boredom uh, or frustration, it's just easy to zone out, right? And it could be as simple as I'm going to check the weather and next thing you know, you're 45 minutes down a a social media rabbit hole or, you know, who knows, shopping, you, you name it. So we've all been there. So we're, we're trying to make it easy uh, and reward people for taking that time away. Wow. So I'm curious. I mean, a lot of people obviously have the idea and they understand the struggle, but you guys actually put, you know, thought to action and you've created this incredible tool for us to have. And I, I believe that you're impacting the world with it. And I, I, I hope that every family in America has an RO box. I think that it has a, the potential out of almost any other tool besides maybe a dumb phone for our kids. Um, but I think, I think truly out of almost any other tool, this is the tool that helps start more conversations around screen health. And what does it look like in our families to have a healthy relationship with the screens in our lives? Because we both know that screens have positive benefits and then they have very, very negative benefits. And I feel like as a culture, we're just now starting to wake up and go, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And and especially with the new data that's coming out and then post COVID and the number of people that are on screens now, and the number is almost tripled in most age categories on phone screen usage with the most recent updated stats since COVID. And I think that the RO box is truly something that uh, can help us change the tide so that we can have more conversations with our kids, which I feel like is one of the biggest pieces of the battle. So and you guys talk about that. You guys talk about connection and, and things like that. And I'm so curious, you know, where does that come from as far as y'all's heart on the matter of, you know, not necessarily just being, uh, you know, watch out for the screen, but like pro connection and, and this thought of this positivity that's comes through the RO box. Like even this morning, I got a notification from, from RO and it said, hey, start the day off great and put your phone in, in the box. And I was like, ah, I should have put the phone in the box before I went to sleep. But it's such a gentle reminder. And I, I feel like that's so impactful for starting conversations with our kids whenever they see this app coming up and, and bringing it to mind in a different way other than just too much screen time. Yeah, I mean, look, we, well, let me start with Joey and I wanted to make sure that other dads in particular don't have to tell the same stories that we do. And I think we could extend that to moms as well. I mean, we've all done, we've all been 
distracted and disconnected uh, when it matters, uh, when it matters most in some cases. So we want to make sure that other parents don't tell that story. So it really started from a place of we just know everyone's struggling with this. Look, I, if someone would have told me 10 years ago, Heath, you are going to argue more with your kids about screen time than drugs, sex, alcohol and everything in between. I would have laughed, but it's the truth. It's the number one friction point in most families. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said the relationship with the phone. We are, by the way, we're very pro-phone. We're very pro-technology. And on the flip side of that, we are no shame, no guilt. I'm a firm believer that shame and guilt don't lead to long-term behavioral change. So we've really taken the stance as a brand that, hey, we're going to be very positive. We're going to be very encouraging. This is not about locking things down. This is not about scaring people with statistics. And we could, right? There's plenty of statistics out there that will scare you. Um, we're, we're not trying to solve social media's woes as an example. But here's what we do know. We do know that if you have a different relationship with this piece of technology, then your relationships will also be different. And, and unfortunately, the model from my generation, and maybe yours, I'm not sure, my generation was we model it poorly. And then what do kids do? They mimic what they see from their parents. And then we have the audacity to get mad at them, right? How dare you spend too much time on your phone? And I think, by the way, RO's mission, really the whole reason we exist is to create a new generation of intentional families. And we do that by change, by flipping that model around. If we can model as parents that these things aren't all that important, right? And when we sit down around a table, or around a fire, around a hot tub, whatever you sit around or around a couch, if we're actually invested in each other and having conversation as opposed to each flipping through our phones, you mentioned earlier, I mean, the, the depth of conversation after about five to six minutes is, is incredible. And that's, I don't care what teenagers say. I don't care. Young, they crave connection, just yes. like we crave connection as adults. And, and again, we're seeing that in the data. So yeah, it really started from a place of, hey, if we can just get the next generation to do this a little bit differently, then by the time we give our kids this amazingly captivating, infinitely powerful piece of hardware in their pocket, then they'll approach it differently. It's, it's not unlike, I tell my, my kids this all the time, like, hey, if your dad drove angry all the time and yelled at every driver that cut him off and braked hard and sped up fast and took turns, like you would drive the same way because you're watching me do it. So if I am always on my phone, you are always going to be on your phone and it removes my authority to be able to speak into your life that way. So it's funny when we started Aro, I actually thought it would be families like mine and yours, you know, with teenagers that really adopted it because you know, parents of teenagers <laughs> have a lot of things they're struggling with. But the truth is most of our customers have younger families. And I think it gives me a lot of hope actually that this generation says, you know, you know what, we grew up without the phone and now we have the phone. We're going to do things differently with our kids. I think that's so powerful. And I think that especially whenever it comes to teenagers, I feel like a lot of parents actually feel overwhelmed at the thought of like riding the ship or like, where do I even start? Right. So I'd love to speak to that because like you said, I think there are a lot of families with younger kids and they're more aware now and they're looking for solutions. What do you guys say to the family that, that has teenagers and they might feel like, oh, we're just too far gone or I can't even imagine trying to get my kid to put their phone in a box at night. Yep. Such a great question. So a bunch of things. The first I would say, and, and let me, let me break this into two, two answers. The first is you are still the parent. You are still in charge, right? It's your phone. It's not their phone unless they're working and they pay for it. So I, there, there may be some um, distinguishing uh, aspects there. And I don't mean that from a, from an authoritative, like 
slam your fist down. I just mean like at the end of the day, like you still get to make the rules. But on the other hand, I would say give them a lot of grace, right? Because the truth is you've probably modeled it poorly. And again, they're, they're just mimicking what they've seen from you. So this is actually the, the beautiful thing about ours. It kind of levels the playing field, right? Now everyone has to put their phone up or should put their phone up at certain periods of time. So if you're asking them to put their phone up during dinner, yet you have yours on the table, I mean, what do you expect, right? But specifically with parents of teenagers, I would say start small. So I would get together as a, this doesn't have to be an hour long conversation, by the way, this could be five minutes. I would get together as a family and just say, hey, what are the two, just two, two sacred times for us as a family, right? Most of the time that's a family meal. You know, if, if things aren't too crazy with sports and extracurricular activities, but when they do have it, when you do have a chance to sit down around in a circle, um, that is a sacred time. And then I would argue that kids just don't need to sleep with their phones, period. I mean, the reality is if, if I would have had a phone when I was 14 or 15 and in my room, I would have scrolled and, and searched until six in the morning. And we can't expect the kids to be any different these days. It's just too tempting. So to me, a non-negotiable, I think for all parents should be that if your child has a phone, a smartphone, that phone needs to sleep in RO every night. And the earlier you train them, the easier it's going to be. I mean, my kids, again, I've got two 17-year-olds. I don't even have to worry about it. The phone goes in RO every night. And what's fun, what's interesting is that they start repeating back to me the things I've said to them over the years. They're like, dad, you won't believe it, but all of our friends, like they sleep with their phones, right? And, and they actually feel sorry for them because the lack of sleep, because of you know the, the trouble they can get into. So start small, give your kids grace. Remember that you're still in charge. Yeah, those are probably three pieces of advice. Ah, uh, it's so much wisdom. I love that so much. What was a lot of times whenever I'm talking to people and they're talking about teenagers and they're, you know, thinking about going in that every once in a while I come across actually more often than not recently, I come across someone who kind of like I'm talking to them about all this and their face just kind of goes almost like a like they saw a ghost or something. And they're like, you know, they have this revelation of like, but what if I'm addicted? You know, and and like they're they're recognizing that, wait a second, I do have to model this. Like if I don't want my kids having a bad temper or I, if I want to do this and I have to model patience, I have to model these things so my kids can learn them because it's caught, not taught, right? Usually, I mean, we can teach some things, but usually most of it's caught. And so for the person who you know knows that they're dealing with it, I think that it's it's been phenomenal even for me to kind of recognize whenever we first got the box, when I first started to recognize like, wait, right now, I, I didn't think I had addiction to the phone. I didn't think I had any issues with it. But then I would be like, right now, I would normally be holding my phone, but it's in the box. And I just had this urge to like grab my phone. Why? Because, <laughs> you know, I've got this physiological situation happening in this, the, the dopamine hits, you know, wanting, you wanting to have that dopamine hit or to check something really quick while I'm cooking something or, you know, the need to be multitasking at all times. And so, but whenever I'm talking to these, these parents about these things and then they realize they have their own addiction. I'm just so curious, uh, you know, obviously the RO box is one way to, to kind of help out with that, but how often are you talking to people who they themselves are realizing, Whoa, okay. I thought I got into this for my kids, but I'm realizing I'm actually someone who has a problem with this. Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of our customers actually buy it for themselves. I'd say probably 70 to 75% of all buyers are women. 
Okay. Let's start okay. there. Um, and a lot of times they're, they're buying it. Well, they either buy it for themselves. Or they buy it for their husband, right? My husband's addicted to his phone. Well, one thing I would say is I, you know, addiction is a, is a, a specific, you know, medical term, right? I would argue that our habits with our phones are not addictions. You know, addiction, if it were a true addiction, we would say abstain, right? And you would also admit that you have no agency over the problem. Neither of those are true, right? Usage of our phones is just poor habits. And if you've read any of the habit books, Atomic Habits or Tiny Habits, any of those, I mean, we, we have just set our environment up for failure. And really, that's where Aro started was looking at how habits, good habits are formed and trying to build around the science of habit formation. So when I mentioned the visual cue early. That's how a habit starts, right? You see the Peloton. Oh, yeah, I should be riding that thing, right? As opposed to it sitting in the basement, you never see it. So the visual cue never starts. And then, you know, cue reward. So the cue is like, I need to do that because I'm going to feel better. The reward is a pat on the back or the notification or, you know, your, your spouse telling you, hey, good job. Let's not lean into this as not addiction. Let's lean into this as a bad set of habits. And the great news about that is habits can be changed, right? We've all gone through periods of our life where we've had ups and downs with habits, but we can have those ups and downs. That means there can be a change. And again, just the same, same uh, advice I gave teenagers uh, or parents of teenagers. If you feel like you're you know, on the far end of that spectrum in terms of the way you use your phone, start small. Define what times are sacred to you. I suspect, in fact, I know this to be the case, most of us have really good intentions, right? We want to read more. We want to whatever journal more. We want to go on more date nights. We want to work less, whatever, whatever those are. But the problem is we just haven't developed a plan. And ours is a part of that plan. I can assure you, if you put your phone down, you're going to read more. I can assure you, if you put your phone down, you're going to think more. I can assure you, if you put your phone down, you're probably going to look into your spouse's eyes more like just those things naturally happen because you're available, right? RO, the actual meaning of the word is to pay attention to, to take heed, to notice. And that's really what we're trying to do is to get people to realize like, hey, when you put your phone down, you now have the opportunity to notice what's in front of you. And Joey says this often, and I agree with it, and I've experienced it. Like you never know when vulnerability is going to happen. And speaking to teenage parents again, or even middle school parents, if your daughter comes to you and is on the cusp of sharing something really vulnerable with you and you'd still glance at your phone, it's done. It's done. Or if you do it in the middle of the conversation, it's done. And as a parent, you don't want to miss those moments. You really, really don't. Because the more and more you shut those down, the less they become available. Um, you know, we always say like when your kids are, are clamoring for your attention, that's a good thing. When they stop clamoring for your attention, that's when you need to take notice and say, okay, what habits do I have in place that have conditioned them to say that, you know, dad doesn't even have time for me or mom mm. doesn't have time for me. Mm. That's so powerful. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events, testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. 
And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair, print them out, have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. I was just on a road trip with my kids. We take them to a camp in Arkansas and we were, you know, using Spotify and uh, my daughter had Spotify pulled up to her profile and she was looking at these playlists. And as she scrolled by, I saw one because we we were stopped on at a gas station and I was like, wait, what does that say? And like the whole playlist was labeled raised by the internet. And I was like, wait, what? Is that like the name of the band? And she's like, no, no, no. This is like my, you know, they they named this playlist Raised by the Internet. I was like, is it songs about the Internet? And they're like, no. Like she said, a lot of my generation identifies as having been raised by the Internet. And I was like, what? They're <laughs> self-identifying as being raised by the Internet. And it, it really hit me in a really profound way. And, you know, that piece of missing those vulnerable moments when our kids are ready to open up to us, you know, that's painful. I don't think any parent wants to miss those moments, but sometimes a lot of times, most of the time when we have the phone and that's the default, then, you know, maybe that those vulnerable moments or moments of feeling like, Oh, I, I should go to mom instead of Google. Right. Um, don't actually happen because they can get the answers. They think they can get the answers that they're looking for. They need from the internet or from their friends rather than going to parents. And I feel like it's this overwhelming new standard that I don't even know most parents are even aware of yet that's actually happening because the default is Google it, right? And instead of, you know, being in the kitchen together and figuring, figuring something out or like going to mom and seeing what mom has to say. Do you have any thoughts around that? Like I was just thinking, literally laying in bed last night, thinking about this, this concept of them self-identifying. It's one thing for our generation to go, oh yeah, it's like they're being raised by the internet. But for them to self-identify and say uh, that I am being, I was raised by the internet, that just, that blows my mind. Yeah, it's like the classic problem, right? Like wisdom comes with age and experience. And when you don't have age or experience, you don't value the wisdom as much as when you're, you know, get to be our age and you and you start to see Again, you just had so many life experiences, so you can see the future, you can see around corners. I think one of the great, one of the things that we say often is that quality time only comes through quantity time. And, and the reason I say that here is because if you want to have a, an open dialogue and communication with your kids, it can't be something that's scheduled. Right? It's kind of like saying, hey, I'm going to fix my family tensions by going on a one week vacation. It just doesn't work, right? It's got to be something that's more you know, constant through the year. So if you want to get to that moment where your 15 year old daughter comes to you and says, Hey, something happened at school or something happened at this party, or someone said this to me, like, it's just not going to happen unless you were putting in those, those investments over time uh, in the years prior. So, yeah, I mean, gosh, again, I'll get, come back to grace. Like our kids are growing up in a very tricky time. We had to learn how to communicate face to face with people because we were just thrust into those environments. The lunchroom was different. The playground was great, was different. 
Um, asking someone out on a date was different. Going to going even to, you know, what's weird is I last night, my wife was so proud of me. I found an external hard drive that had seven years worth of photos and videos <gasps> oh, that we had she lost. Was so proud. She oh was, my God. She was so happy. She was so happy, but we started watching some videos and thankfully we cut ourselves off because we'd been up till three in the morning, but we watched one when our, our, we have twins, our two oldest are twins when they were probably two, one or two. I don't know. Anyway, I'm playing with them. We're running around. She had a video camera and when we went to bed, I told her, I said, you know what, what's most striking about that video? She's like, what? I said, there wasn't a phone. I said, had I had a phone, a smartphone and whatever that was, 2007, who knows if I would have been rolling around on the floor with them? Who knows if I would have picked them up and thrown them in the air? Like it actually made, made me a little sad thinking that I don't know if I would have been that disciplined because I had this outlet that is so inviting uh, and exciting. Um, and, you know, oftentimes, and let's just be honest, like oftentimes our kids are boring in some cases, right? So we do want to escape to something else. So I don't know where I was going with all of that, but. Um, yeah, uh, I, no, I, I, I love that. And I, and I think that uh, recognizing that, you know, I think there's a, a, a thought or a popular thing right now of like, you think about how many summers you have left with your kids and Yes, like you said, we need to have grace for so much that's happening in our life that there's no way we could have known or understood, especially for our kids with technology and everything. But also too, just uh, living in that intentional life and that intentional mindset uh, and awareness, truly. I think it's actually, for me, especially this year, my, my word of the year is awareness, right? And so what does it look like to live aware of what's actually taking place and what's actually happening rather than going on autopilot? And I feel like, you know, our phones, they tend to, you know, collapse time and make time go boom. And it's like, wait, did I, was I being intentional? Did I mean to spend that amount of time on the phone or not with my kids or what were the repercussions there? And so it's, it's like trying to find this balance of like having tons of grace for yourself and your kids, but also too living in the reality that like time is not, you can't make time. It's there, it's finite, it gets spent and then it's gone. And so how can we show up uh, intentionally in our kids' lives uh, and, and make those moments like you're talking about? So that brings me to a question. I, I typically save this towards the end of the podcast, but I'd love to just go ahead and ask you because you and Joey, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have created what you've created without being a great father. And I'd love to know what it, what does it mean to you to be a good father? Aro actually started from a place of failure and actually, you know, a lot of moments of not being a good father. I think I, you know, highlighted at the beginning, but I just, I, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I kind of got wrapped up in being an entrepreneur and my identity was wrapped up in staying busy and looking busy and feeling important. So now I was self-aware enough to realize that was a problem and not going to work long-term. I think it's actually pretty simple. I think you just have to be invested in your kids' lives, right? And and what I mean by that is one is is communication, which we've talked a lot about uh, up until now. The second would be be invested or interested in what they're interested in, right? Like you, I suspect most people with with more than one child that kid has a different interest than maybe what the mom or the dad did. You know, I played competitive tennis growing up. None of my kids play tennis. They do other stuff. I have to be interested in that. Um, they have def different interests and skills. And and I have to just say that that's that's what I'm going to be interested in. I'm going to invest in what they're invested in. So those are a couple of things. I mean, we've got in a pretty good rhythm. I think the most life 
giving time for us has been around the, the dinner table. And I usually tell people, and of course, there's no phones. So we'll just put that to the side. But I usually say there's about five to seven minutes of chit chat. You know, how's the day, schoolwork, all that kind of stuff. And then eventually, we're pretty good about asking a question that spurs conversations. We'll say, hey, what was the high of the day? What was the low of the day? And usually, one of those highs or one of those lows becomes the conversation topic for the next 30 to 45 minutes. And sometimes, if we've had a very deep conversation, it'll continue. We'll, we'll clean up the dishes and we'll sit down on the couch and we'll, we'll go into to deeper de- detail. So maybe a long-winded way of saying, like, kind of press in a little bit and then be available when the moment happens so that you can speak into your child's lives. So where does that come from for you? So, um, you know, you experience like a lot of entrepreneurs do, and, and we have a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast, and we've all experienced it when something really amazing takes off, especially if you're ambitious and you have goals and dreams and you have a vision for something to create something out of nothing. It's so easy to get distracted in success or um, just the hustle of it. And actually the culture encourages that for the most part. Um, and so, but some people don't wake up from that. And some people don't actually recognize it and and they'll say, oh, well, you know, they'll thank me whenever they're older. Um, so for you, what was it that made it different for you? I was fortunate to have some good role models. My parents were, were terrific in that on that front. I mean, my dad was a busy man as well, but but I'd never call him missing a tennis tournament as an example. So um, and he also had it was a good example of of not just living for himself, but also giving to others so that. That kind of resonated within me, but also, look, I, I think the people you associate with, you become more like. So even someone like Joey is just such a great example to me of of how to be an intentional father, of how to be a good husband, how to be a great friend. Uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've really leaned into um, trying to be a better friend. You know, the 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 shrapnel that occurs when you're building a business um, hits everyone, not just your family, right? Because when you are busy, you don't you don't have time to talk to anyone, and eventually people stop calling. And they stop calling because you're so busy. So it's this vicious cycle <laughs> that you get in. A friend of ours named Justin Whitmore early, he's written a couple of books, but he just wrote, um, I think the one, the one you probably recognize called Habits of the Household, but he just wrote one called Made for People. And it's all about adult friendships. And it is just tremendous. And most people I know in my age group, let's call that, you know, 40 to 55, we all say the same thing. Gosh. We wish we had more close friends, right? We've got a lot of people we know and we've got a lot of, you know, quote unquote friends, but we don't have a lot of people that we, that know our lives that are invested in our lives that we spend time with regularly. So, um, so that's something that's really been on my mind for the last few years and, and probably in the broader context of community, which circles us all the way back to technology, right? I think we've replaced actual community with, you know, behind the screen community and it just doesn't have the same effect. It just, it just can't never will. You know, I think you're onto something there so much. So I'm reading a book right now. It's such an easy read. I'm surprised I haven't finished it yet. I encourage everybody to grab it. It's called Unfriended by Joe Battaglia. I'm probably saying his last name wrong. I've tried so hard to figure out how to reach this man uh, because I would love to interview him. Uh, But this book is talking about how powerful it is to live in community and how over the past 20 years, even there's been a stark difference in, and how we actually work together as a society 
and how how much we lack those deep connections for the most part. I mean, obviously, there's still some people who live a life that's very communal and and, and things like that. Um, as far as they depend on each other for things, and they have friends in their lives throughout, weaved in and in and out throughout the year. But Joe talks about how how much and I love his name made for people because he talks about that, about how we are made for community and we're so much better for it. We are so much healthier. But it's almost like we've become aware of of being able as a society to protect ourselves from hardship and from difficulty. And people, when they come in, they bring just as much beauty. They can also bring just as much difficulty. But that difficulty is what causes us as humans to have to level up and learn more grace, more love. You know, how do we handle tough situations? And I feel like as a society, you know, we're steering down this path where nobody has grace for anybody and we can't hardly be in the same room unless we agree on everything. And and it's like this overarching. I'm like, wow, I can see that and what's actually happening in society and our kids, myself included. This is us, too. We moved around a lot. And so we didn't actually establish these roots and my soul hungers for that. You know, my soul, my soul hungers for deep connection to be seen uh, deeply and to be known and then to serve others in deep, impactful ways. And I think maybe I'm stretching. If you're listening to this podcast, most likely you probably feel that too. And so I think it's a it's a human longing uh, to, to be seen and known in a deep way and to show up for society and, and people in an impactful way. But we have this beautiful, awesome thing called technology, which is awesome and incredible in so many ways, so many awesome, incredible ways. But yet, it, it, it will, it's, it's, it feels, it feels like we're being funneled down this pathway as a society. And it's like, we got to take the red pill or the blue pill, yeah. right? Like we <laughs> got, oh, do we want to wake up and what are we going to yeah. do about it? Once you see it, what are we going to do about it? Right. And so I think that's, that's awesome. I, guys, we'll get the name of that book and the author and put a link in the show notes so that you can check that book out. I know I'm going to be grabbing it. Um, but so for you in, in your family, what are you guys doing to, to generate more community in your life? Wow. Thanks for putting me, put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's a timely question. You know, again, we have two, two high school seniors, so they're looking at, um, you know, the next stage of their life and going to college. And if it had, you asked me a year, year and a half ago, two years ago, I would have said, oh, they can go wherever they want. I'd love for them to go experience, you know, that kind of thing. And as we're getting closer to it, I'm like, gosh, wouldn't it be great if they went somewhere local? And actually, my son, it's funny, he he made the comment. Um, we, we live in Knoxville, Tennessee, so the university's here. And he said, he said, I, just, I think I just want to go to Tennessee. I said, why is that? He goes, well, I, I love hanging out with you guys. Why would I want to leave? And it wasn't like a I want to live in your basement kind of a thing. It was more of like, hey, we have this relationship. And if I go to California or wherever, like, we're just not going to have that. So that made me feel really good about, you know, what we've, what we've built in our family. I think on the friendship front, um, one thing that Joey and I really want to start doing, and this was actually modeled by, or is being modeled by uh, Sean Johnson and Andrew East. If you know Sean Johnson, the ex Olympic. So they host a monthly game night with their friends. And it's actually, you know, beyond just like their close friends where they have games community they take care of everything so it's easy for people to meet but it was just a way to put something on the calendar to encourage community to make some new connections right and and it's been a, a resounding success so that's on uh, the 2024 docket for for the odoms joe's last name is odom and the wilson's that's my last name so we're we're pretty excited about that and, and then do you i guys think live nearby are you are you all close we do together? we live pretty okay. close yeah so yeah cool. 
Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, one of the longings in my heart is just to be, you mentioned, you know, serving others, just to be more involved. It's one thing to go to church. If you go to a church, it's another thing to actually serve at the church and to, to volunteer and do those types of things that makes the church a lot smaller or whatever organization, you know, you're part of a lot smaller if you're actually involved in doing something. So that would be kind of the third aspect. Can I just say one thing which, which that crossed my mind when you were talking about friendship? I heard this quote a while ago, and I, th- I think it's true. It's like people admire your strengths, but they connect with your weaknesses, right? And the problem is no one knows your weakness if you're not known. And that gets to, I think, the crux of the issue we have today. And it's everything from us moving from a front porch to a back deck society. It's everything from us moving around and having mobility and our families splitting up. You know, there's a bunch of different reasons why that's happening. And it comes back to intentionality. Like we really just have to carve out and make it an an effort to kind of reestablish not old norms, but at least some relationships that are of value to us and sacrifice. By the way, being intentional and and pursuing friendship requires sacrifice. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it's a sacrifice that grows us, right? Uh, And um, I've always been a huge fan of this book, I think it's called Do Hard Things. Now I'm 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 pretty sure that's the name of it, but I used to read it with my kids over and over and we would talk about how, you know, nothing great was ever ever came out of comfort. And you know, I'm I'm sure there's some great things like snuggling with your baby is pretty easy and pretty comfortable and that's a pretty good thing. But, you know, within reason, really truly great things come whenever we have to try really hard and I think a lot of us as parents, you know, we I don't know about you as a latchkey kid, you know, and there were a lot of things I've had to work really hard for. And so part of us doesn't want our kids to have to do that. But it's almost like we need to strategically create opportunities because life is pretty darn easy for a lot of people. You know what I mean? As far as the true struggle, like I'm learning how to make sourdough bread right now. And let me just tell you, I am so thankful that I don't have to make sourdough bread. Like (laughs) I can just go buy it, right? Like it's a whole ordeal to make sourdough bread. And I've killed a starter like three times. And I don't even know if this is for me, but I am trying so stinking hard to do it. And there's nothing quite like a fresh sourdough bread loaf. And I'm not a kitchen person. I'm not even a baker. Like this is not my thing. But I I have seen this beauty in doing the hard thing and struggling for it and learning this new thing. And you know, the outcome and the fruit of it. And I think that's the same exact thing. Like what you're talking about is it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to um, have someone stop by and you have to face the fact that your house doesn't look perfectly clean when they stop by, you know, and, and sacrificing that you may not feel up for company, but they're going to come over and you're going to muddle through it anyway, because maybe they need you versus you needing them. And so I think this is, a really powerful conversation that I think all of us need to, you know, just check out, like, do we have what we want for our lives? And and for me, I feel like I've, I've woken up uh, on the curve a little bit as far as building community for my children, because it didn't occur to me that they needed it because we're such a tight knit family and we get along so well. And we have a lot of fun together. We've, we've, we've earned that. We've worked hard over the years to develop that, that sometimes you almost don't need anybody else. I mean, you could, you you could just, it feels like you could just be this island, but I know better now. And I don't think I, I really understood that before because we were moving so much and I, it just didn't occur to me how important it is for, for those things. Cause I guess I didn't have it growing up. And so, you know, trying to figure out how to create that for our kids um, and, and being intentional about that. But 
I want, I know we're, we're coming on time. It's like, feels like we've just like time traveled. This is such a great conversation, <laughs> Keith, and everything that you've said has been so awesome. I, I'm curious. I, I know you have so much wisdom and knowledge and I feel like we've just like barely like uh, scraped the surface, but is there any, any, any one thing that you would really love to, to leave everybody with as maybe just an encouragement or a thought process around screens in our homes that you think would be like, if there's one thing you could leave everybody with, is there that one thing on your mind that you want to share? Well, I'd actually like to talk to couples specifically. We talked a lot about kids and I think a lot of people buy our because, you know, because of, of the future and, and one, wanting to do something different with the, with the next generation. But here's what I know that my wife wants me connected. I want to be connected to her, right? And if we're both sitting on the couch scrolling on our phones, like we're just missing an opportunity there. So I, I would, and typically this is directed at men. Men have a bigger struggle with this generally uh, than women. But but guys, if if your wife is asking you to put down your phone, don't get defensive. Like that's a, that is a cry for connection. That is not her her anger coming out. That is saying, hey, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to pay attention. Like so. I think one of the greatest thing couples can do is to do this together, right? We talked about leveling the playing field earlier. It's, 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 it's subtle, but it's nuanced, but it's the difference between me saying, Hey, my wife's name is Misty. Misty, put your phone down versus, Hey, Misty, let's go RO together. Wow. How mm. different does that feel? Right? Yeah. Because one says you're not doing something on that phone that you should be doing. And the other says, Hey, let's, I actually want to spend some time with you. So I would just encourage couples. We talked a lot about modeling. You need to model better for your kids. Of course, we talked a lot about teenagers. There were some, you know, some tips there. But for couples who want to up the level of their relationship, what an easy way to get reconnected. And just like we talked about defining what's sacred for the family, define what's sacred for, for you as a couple. Maybe it's a cup of coffee in the morning. Maybe it's a glass of wine on the front porch or back porch at night. Maybe it's just sitting on the couch by the way, watching TV without a second screen, you actually can't connect pretty well right there. So like we're not anti-screen. We're just anti, you know, having too many screens on at one time. So that'd be my advice for couples. Let's just take some baby steps. And I think you'll be surprised at, uh, at what turns out. Quick story. So this, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but years ago, my wife and I were on a date. And ordinarily, I would have had my phone up on the table. And I might as well not be there, right? Like if it's buzzing, <laughs> she, she, you know, so I turned it over, but I'm still anticipating. And we, and science now tells us, even if your phone's out, it's equates to usage because you're waiting for the next thing. But that night I gave her my phone and I said, will you put it in your purse? The first time it ever happened, you would have thought I bought her a new house or a diamond ring or a car. Like the, her face lit Aww. up. And, wh and what did that mean? Right. That meant, oh, he really wants to be here. Mm. and wants to connect with me. So there's a little tip and trick for the guys out there. Next time you're on a date, give the phone, give your phone to your wife, tell her to put it away and it's going to be a good night. Instant brownie points, either that or go find a lost external hard drive with family photos and videos. That's and right. then you, you're winning. Um, I, I also want to say before we jump off, if you're listening to this and you aren't watching, there, the RO box is is behind Heath right now. And let me just tell you, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful box. It's not like an atrocity. It it, it actually complements the home. And what's so cool about the RO box is um, my son at one point, we didn't do this on purpose, but my son at one point lost his other charger. And we've never done screens in rooms, but he had a different place. He would charge the phone. 
I lost his charger. And anyway, it just, the RO box became the staple. That's where he charges his phone. That's just where it goes. And all night long or during the daytime, it's in the RO box. And he is very proud of the fact that he just slays and kills as far as how much time he has redeemed and he reclaimed with the RO box. And so it's a beautiful piece of technology that can come into your home and serve as a place uh, just like that for you and for your kids. And so Heath, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. It is it is literally like I'm I don't fangirl much, but I tell you, I've just enjoyed y'all's podcast so much and enjoy the product that you have created. And so I'm just so grateful to have had you on and guys go listen to the RO podcast and learn more because I just I love it so much. And also, I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm going to have something for you guys. So if you want to grab your own RO box, um, keep an eye out for a link for that because I, I can't promote it enough. It's just truly an incredible product that I believe in. And I truly hope every family in America gets one. So Heath, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And if you want to learn more, our website is goaro.com, G-O-A-R-O.com. And then go RO now on social and of course, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Been a great conversation. I still have, I'm going to pull this up. I still have the note that you dropped in the package to us telling Yay. us thank you and saying one day we might, uh, we might be on your podcast. And here we are. So it all came true. It did. It did. Thank you so much. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.